episode 31 already. Yes, folks, episode 31. It is awesome. Thank you for make, helping me make it to 31 episodes. So in this episode, we are talking about DCC configuration variables. Uh, yes, head probably spinning right now. If you're new to the hobby and you're looking at getting into DCC, or even if you've been in DCC, but you um, don't quite understand what the CVs do other than programming your locomotive, uh, the decoder to the locomotive number, um, we're not going to get into in-depth of 100% of them, but uh, I picked out a few of them that are the most common ones that people change. So we're going to go into that. Um, we also are going to talk about a website that I discovered through one of the groups I'm in. Um, pretty cool website. It's free. Um, and then we're going to give you an update on our layout. So, uh, stick around and guess what? Say it with me. We're going to get the show on the tracks. All right, folks, so we are back. I'm glad you're listening. Glad everybody's here. It is uh, definitely fall. Um, I know where we are here in Iowa, the temperatures are going up and down, up and down. I mean, we've already had our temperatures in the morning when I've gone into work at in the 20s. And yesterday we were sitting at 61 degrees. So it is the season. So everybody, for starters, everybody keep yourself uh uh, you know, healthy and not sick because let's face it, even model railroading as great as it is when you're sick with the flu or the cold, it, it, it's not as fun. So about the most you want to do is be an armchair modeler and Hey, you know, nothing wrong with that. So, so as we stated in our intro, we are going to be talking about, and, and when I say this, we're just, we're just talking about a few, um, of these, uh, CVs is what they're short for configuration variables uh for dcc so if you're looking at getting in the hobby or new to the hobby and whether you've jumped right in and have either a bought a starter set that was dcc or you are wanting to convert to dcc this should help well i should say i hope it helps you uh defunct some of the Oh, the, the confusion maybe, and make it not seem so bad. Um, I know a lot of people think, or they hear, you know, okay, DCC is cool. You know, you put the decoders in, that's bad enough. If you, if you're not doing a, uh, plug and play decoder, you know, and digital command control, I'll start by saying is actually once you get your hands dirty with it and you you understand you start understanding the basics of it it doesn't seem so haunting uh of a system and you can start seeing some of the uh benefits or i should say once you start seeing some of the benefits of it it makes it uh a lot more appealing and fun uh, so we'll start out by saying, um, so with DCC, basically you, you have your, uh, A and B rails. Um, we've been through all this before, go back and I don't remember what episode it was, but we've talked about this several times. You have your A and B rails. This is just a quick recap, by the way, um, the rails that send, um, and receive packets of information to and from the decoder, uh, from and to the system. So whether you're using NTE, Digitrax, whatever, um, they all send the same packets of information um, and, and whatnot. Well, these packets of information, actually, when they go into the decoder, the configuration variables take over. So depending on what the information is, whether it's throttle up for faster speed, throttle down, um, button for light, bell, whatever, um, if you have sound, um, this, it, the configure, the decoder receives those and basically your configuration variables are what take over and based on what it's told to do. So 
configuration variables, they are basically the settings of the decoder. Uh, to put it simple, uh, some of you may know this, some of, some people may not, some people knew, probably definitely won't know this. Um, but the best way I can describe it is say you buy that new smartphone, okay, cell phone, you, it has the basic, um, uh, uh, programming in it, right? There's program or there's stuff in there that you can't change. It's, it's the Android system or the iPhone, uh, uh, whatever they call that. Um, or even Google, whatever it's, it's their base system. And then, um, you can go in outside of that base system that keeps it running and secure and stuff. You have all these other, uh, options for personalization of, okay, you want, you want this theme or you want this font or you want this sound for your ringtone. And this one, you know, you have all these different options that you can do to customize that, that phone to make it yours. That is probably the best way I can describe what, uh, the configuration variables are. You, uh, each decoder and DCC system, they have the base uh, components that it's going to run. Well, then you go in and, you know, you want to change, um, you know, speed, uh, or, uh, or, you know, if you have a sound decoder, you know, you want to change the, uh, the bell or which position it's in when you hit the keys, stuff like that. Um, that is much like taking your brand new cell phone and adjusting it, you know, like, the uh, I don't know, ringtone, for example, for you, when you get a text message, um, that you go in and when you go in and change that, um, obviously your cell phone, you just go in, you read what it says. It says, Hey, you know, uh, ringtone. And then you select a ringtone configuration variables. They don't, it doesn't say, okay, uh, this one's for light. This one's for, uh, you know, uh, two digit addressing or four digit addressing stuff like that. Uh, you just, there are, a, a, I guess the best way to start is I am, and I'm not promoting Digitrax. I just, Digitrax is what I've always been and what I like. Um, Digitrax actually on their website, it doesn't matter what, uh, what system you use. If you go on to Digitrax website, they actually have what's called a decoder manual that you can download for free. And I want to say, I mean, it's, if you download it, I don't know how big the file is, but if you download to print, which I would highly recommend, um, I want to say, um, I don't have mine in front of me, but I want to say it's um, probably 50, 60 pages, um, but full of information. And now reason why I say that is the NMRA stepped up several, several years ago when DCC was coming um, becoming a thing. Okay. And they basically come up with a set of operating procedures SOP, or what do they call them? RPs, recommended practices and stuff like that. So if you go to the NMRA.org, their website, they actually have a full section of digital command control, how the systems are supposed to be able to talk to and from the decoders and power. And I mean, just everything. So if you're so inclined to go and read every little bit about it, uh, I would start there on the NMRA website, uh, which is NMRA.org. Um, you know, go there and kind of go through their RPs and stuff like that. And, and you'll see, but NMRA has set the standards. Okay. Digit or, uh, digital command control decoders must have certain like your, your configuration variables, they need to be the same, um, whether it's TCS or it's Soundtracks or it's Digitrax or, um, you know, the, the several other companies that make digital command control decoders, whether they're sound or not. Um, if you want to be able to interchange your decoders with other systems, then, and you want to have our blessing, if you will, is what the NMRA is basically told them, then you need to follow these guidelines, which that is yet another reason why the NMRA is such a good thing because they, you know, they, they help all this, all it helps our hobby be cohesive in whether you buy, whether you're an NCE operator, Digitrax, uh, MRC, whatever, 
I can take my locomotives, which are Digitrax decoders, and go over to somebody else's that's running NCE and be able to run them just fine. So, um, so going back to CVs, you know, you think of them like your settings in your phone. That's the best way I can put it to customize it how you want. Now you, there are a ton of them. I, I, um, I should have, I was going to grab my decoder manual before I started this episode, but eh, you know what? I forget things sometimes. So, um, but there are a ton of them. I mean, there's over 200 of them, but you as a, if you're new coming into the hobby, you really don't need to worry about a whole bunch of them. The ones I'm going to focus on are the ones that I see a lot of people talk about all the time. Um, for starters, the most basic, most common is the CVs for uh, changing the decoder address. The, de the decoder address, when you put a brand new decoder in uh, a new or used locomotive, okay, say it's the first time you're putting that decoder in, the address will be 03. Well, okay, fine. You know, it's your one and only locomotive. You're only going to run one locomotive, but let's say, you know, six months, whatever down the road, you buy another locomotive, whether it's DC, uh, sorry, DCC equipped or not. Um, and you go and put, you either, uh, put it on the railroad or you put a decoder and put it on the railroad. Well, guess what? It's going to be programmed 03. Um, now, okay. You want to run both locomotives you, or you want to have one sitting on a siding and run one and then, you know, eventually switch them out. Guess what? They're both going to run and do the same thing because they're both set to the same address. So that's the advantage of uh, digital command control. So you go in, the first thing you're going to want to do is change the address. Some people do just two-digit addressing, which is basically, as, it, as, it's, as you hear and you, you think, two digits. So um, the, the people that, you know, if, if you're only going to run, um, you know, if you're looking at a small little layout that it's, you're going to occasionally run, um, you can run two digit addressing. That's absolutely fine. You know, if you have a locomotive 1001, you can change it to 01. And then let's say you have one that's, you know, 5927, you can change that one to 27. And then you just select, uh, you know, each system's different on how you select your locomotives. And, and I will also state this each system has their own way to go through and program these decoders and we're not uh, programmed the CV. So I'm not diving into that because the systems are as far as their menu systems and how they program, um, how you go about, I should say programming are all slightly different, but the end result is the same. So, so we'll start CV zero one configuration variable. Oh, one is the CV for two digit dressing. So you can click on that. You can go into your programmer, select CV01, go in and program whatever your last two digits of that locomotive is or the first two, however you want to do it or middle two. Um, a lot of people, though, just do four-digit addressing. It seems to be a lot easier, um, especially when, it, like the railroads that have bigger uh, the bigger railroads that have more locomotives. So like, uh, you know, mine eventually is going to have, you know, I'm not going to have as many locomotives as I had on my old railroad. Um, but it just seems to be easier. A lot of people like doing the four digit addressing because you look at the locomotive number on the side of the locomotive and, you know, uh, you know, one, one, three, five or 37, 55, you know, you just type that number in. So CV 17 and CV 18 are the uh, configuration variables for four-digit addressing. Now, having said that, most systems, I know the Digitrack system is very easy to do this with, um, they kind of take that guesswork out for you. So when I go in on my Digitrack system and go to program a decoder um, to that locomotive address, which I use the four digit, uh, only I've got one locomotive that's number 92. So obviously that's going to do the two digit, but, um, but I always use the four digit addressing. So my menu system's real easy on my Digitracks. I go in, um, you know, I, first of all, get the locomotive on the programming track and, uh, get it switched over to program mode, going through my throttle, 
Um, and, and I scroll down through my menu, find, um, change, um, I can't think of what they call it. Four digit four. I don't, it's, it's, it's pair, it's shortened up, but basically I, either I select four, two digit or four digit addressing. So in most cases it's uh four digit. I select it. Um, it'll highlight, I'll type in my, um, my four digit, you know, the locomotive number, and then basically hit, um, I don't remember if it says confirm or whatever. And you'll, I'll see like the little light on my, uh, locomotive, like the headlight, it'll flicker a little bit and then it'll show on my screen, um, complete or okay, or something like that. Um, and that's it. So most systems, as far as changing the locomotive address, they have the, they, they kind of, I don't want to say like, I don't want to call it like idiot proof, but it, it, they make it simple for you to change the address because they know, I, I remember back in the day when DCC first came out, you had to figure out, um, it wasn't just as simple as going to that menu option and putting in the number. Um, you had to actually go in and figure out the packets of information and out, uh, you know, and, and, and basically there was a, uh, um, you know, calculation of figuring out, okay, well, if I want my, my locomotive address to be 1000, you had to, uh, figure out what the different bit, uh, basically it was a pain in the butt. Okay. So the, so these, uh, DCC, uh, manufacturers have simplified it. So, um, but yeah, look into that. Uh, if you're wanting to change your locomotive address from Oh three, or maybe you bought a used one that was programmed to a four digit and you just want to run a two digit. Um, like I said, most systems have, um, it's a, it's a, okay, here you want to change the address, just type in the address and we'll do the work kind of thing. So, um, but the other thing that I see all the time is, uh, guys that are people, I should say that get, uh, multiple locomotives, say they have one locomotive. They start out, you're new in the hobby, you get your first locomotive DCC and you get your cars, you're running it. Um, you expand, you add a few more cars, you, you see the, on the real railroads there, you know, a lot of times they're running, uh, two head locomotives, two lead locomotives. So you want to do that. So you go and buy another one. Great. Um, whether it's the same brand or not, you put it on the track and you get them, uh, tied together, uh, and, uh, con consisted together, which that we're not going to dive into today. Um, cause that's a whole nother world. And that kind of, there's not a lot I can say, speak of, unless you are a Digitrax user because each system, yeah, while they consist uh, with the CVs, the same, the process of doing it from system to system is slightly different. But you, you, you figured out, okay, I have, you know, locomotive number one and locomotive number two consisted together. I've got them running the same direction. So, um, you know, how I want them running. But when I uh, throttle up, um, my lead locomotive doesn't seem to want to move as fast as my second locomotive. You know, it's almost like your second locomotive is pushing your first, your lead. Well, I see that a lot or speed matching or your second one's dragging behind and it's actually dragging your lead locomotive down or whatever. Um, the next thing that I would recommend you looking into, and there again, like I said, the Digitrax website has the um, decoder manual. It's free completely free. Just go to their website. We'll click on, uh, Oh, uh, I want to say it's downloads manuals and stuff like that. And you can actually search, just type in decoder manual and download it, look at it, but they have, uh, about halfway back in that book or that packet, however you get it, whether you print it off or look on it. Um, they actually start talking about, uh, your, uh, you want to program, how do you want to program this? You could just not worry about it. If you're only running one locomotive, you know, more than likely change the address and you're going to be fine. Um, but where you, the biggest thing you may see, especially if you're new to the hobby is you'll start seeing people talk about speed matching to where you have two or more locomotives. You want them speed matched as close as possible. So when you're pulling up a hill or going actually even going down a hill with them, you know, you're using the extra locomotives for braking and stuff. Um, you want them to be as close speed matched as you can. 
otherwise it can create, well, first of all, it puts a lot of stress on your couplers. If one's pulling or pushing way harder than the other, um, but also it doesn't look as real. It's not as fun. You're, you're taking a chance, uh, of creating, uh, potentially having derailments, both not only car, but locomotive. And let's face it, you know, it's bad enough if you send a 30 or $40 car off the edge of the layout because it derails, but not your locomotive. So, um, so I seen that people, or I have seen that people have been talking about that here not a lot but a fair amount enough for me to notice in these groups um there is i know uh digitrax has in their um in that decoder manual and bear with me here because i'm actually going to be pulling it up as we speak uh because i want to make sure i get the information right for you guys um but if you go let's see here i'm pulling it up now and uh, in the decoder manual, yes, I should have had this ready for you guys. Um, but in the decoder manual, they have it, basically they lay it out in like a little um, box, if you will, about halfway down that gives you, okay, hey, you, uh, you, you want, is, is yours a, uh, road or a switcher, a road switcher, or a mainline locomotive. Okay, so if when we talk switcher, like, are you is it going to be one of them short, like SW fifteen hundred or something like that, or is, are you running like a GP thirty as a road switcher that goes out and switches industries and stuff and comes back, or are you like a mainline? Are you wanting, um, uh, wanting the information for like a mainline locomotive that's going to uh, you know, be highballing down the, uh, the, the rails, the main line and be able to pull hills and stuff, you know, or any inclines. Um, so they have like a little chart and I'm getting there actually, as we speak, um, oh, I'm almost there. Uh, they, uh, or it's basically they're they're it's called, uh, speed tables is what it is. They give you a little chart that uh, speed table um, that gives you, they spell it out for you. Basically you have your, your voltage start. So like on this um, step, it's called step throttle response curve. And they give you examples. So like you have your V start, which is your voltage start. So that's going to be how much voltage that loc or that locomotive, the, the motor in that locomotive is going to get when you go from zero to that first notch, um, then you've got V mid voltage mid, which is so like your middle of the road, you know, like, okay, your, your typical cruising speed, whether that's going to be, you know, as a switcher, you're going to be low speed, um, you know, uh, cause you're just switching yards and stuff or road switcher where you're going to be a little bit higher speed because you got to get on the main line and back off. Or like we said, mainline locomotive, you're going to want a little bit higher because you know, I mean, let's face it, if you, unless you're modeling like what I'm doing, where uh, my whole layout's going to be within city limits. So I'm not going to be um, really, I mean, I'm going to, I think I'm thinking 25 mile an hour uh, scale, 25 mile an hour is probably going to be my max speed anywhere on the layout because it's going to be set up to where it's basically two towns next to each other. It's all pretty much going to be city limit. But if you are like some people model, like say out West, where Wyoming and, and, and Idaho and stuff like that, where, where, uh, the locomotives get out there and they do, some of them do 70, 80 mile an hour, you know, um, on the flatlands, flat straight, that's where you're going to want to increase, uh, and, and, and put in your voltage maxes for a mainline locomotive. So the third CV I was going to get at before I got sidetracked there, uh, was your V max, your voltage max, which is the very top end amount of voltage that you that 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 decoder is going to allow to get through it to the motor so as an example you know and and um digitrax on this decoder manual like i said is completely free to download uh, i would highly recommend you check it out download it and whether you print it or not have it available um so like the switcher they have it uh and all these variables are are, are all these numbers i'm going to give you is basically the range is zero 
to two, I want to say 56 without looking back. So, um, so like the switcher, your start voltage, well, actually all of them, your road switcher, your mainline locomotive and your, and your, and your switcher they they recommend an example of your starting voltage at 26. Now that's not 26 volts. That's there. And we're not going to get into exactly what these numbers calculate out to, but, but on a zero, uh, on a scale of zero to 256, 26 is really low. So it's a real low start voltage. It's, it's obviously going to be more than zero, which, um, and you need some voltage obviously to get the, the, uh, motor going. Well, then here's where you really start noticing, uh, the difference. So, um, remember we talked about the mid, like your middle of the road voltage for like when you're, you get your locomotive up to speed, your train up to speed, and it's just kind of cruising. Um, the switcher, which is your little switcher that does yard stuff. Uh, that one, you're only jumping up to 38 road switcher. Um, they recommend up to 48. Now, mainline locomotive, you go from 48 from road switcher to mainline locomotive, you go from 48, they recommend up to 128. So that kind of tells you, I mean, that speed curve, the other two, you know, it's just a gradual up, up the road switcher. Yeah, it kind of shoots up a little bit more, but I mean, the mainline, once you get past that, it goes clear up. Um, now they kind of even themselves out in between each other, the switcher for the maximum voltage um you know that they're recommending here is 64 for the switcher 98 for the road switcher and 154 for the mainline okay so i know that seems like a lot of extra information but when you sit down and think about it it's basically your your start voltage your middle of the road voltage and your max voltage so going back to what we were talking about you're wanting to speed match your locomotives okay let's say um, you have two locomotives, um, they take off great together. There, the, there's not much play as far as, you know, uh, push or pull between the two locomotives as you're throttling up, you get to your mid range of your throttle. Okay. Um, your average cruise. Well, that's where you maybe start noticing that either one's pulling or one's pushing or what have you, you, you can see it in your, your couplers, whether it's being pushed or pulled, that's where you would step in and okay, let's say you, I, and this, I do this with mine. I run, I start all my locomotives off of, um, I use the, uh, mainline locomotive is what I use. Uh, what I just described to you, uh, what Digitrax examples are. And then from there I adjust them down. So I adjust them for each other. So like I have two Atherin C44 dash nines that I've put the Digitrax, uh, DH, uh, whatever it is, 166 in or whatever it is. And I've had to adjust it a little bit. And even though they're same, basically the same locomotive, I mean, it's the same frame, um, same decoder in it, e each motor. I mean, let's face it, we're human and they're humans that make them. So that's not perfect, but, um, I've had to adjust my, um, my, my mid voltage a little bit to try to get a match. And I'm actually still playing with it i gotta wait until i get my loop done to be able to actually get the good speed matching done but that you know if if one's pulling a little bit um and it, like it needs a little more umph well you would go into and, and you're in your middle range on your throttle you would go into your v mid and you know let's say you did the mainline locomotive where it's sitting at 128 you know what you're probably going to want to take that locomotive if it's kind of pulling on the lead locomotive a little bit you're going or your lead locomotive is lagging behind being pushed. You're going to want to bump that mid up, you know, say from 128 to 140 or so, you know, give it a sh shot. That may be a touch too high. It may start pulling too much while well, you back it off a couple, that kind of thing. And yes, while it's kind of tedious, you're going in and out, uh, you know, whether you do it on mainline, uh, programming, some of these you can do while it's not sitting there on the mainline. I don't recommend it. Um, that's where I have an actual track in my engine facility to where, um, uh, it's, I flip a switch and it goes from regular track to programming track. So you're not lifting the locomotive off and on a lot, but, um, so, uh, you know, that's, that's how that works. Um, we're actually getting close to our, our time that, uh, Spotify lets us 
record these. Uh, we can only do 30 minutes at a time on these. And then we got to, that's why part of the reason why we do a break. So anyways, when we come back from break, we are going to uh, touch on um, the starting, basically your, 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 your starting your voltages. Okay. As far as uh, V the V start V mid and V max, we're going to touch on that a little bit more. And then we're also going to touch on um, acceleration and deceleration rates. And then we will also, I want to talk to you guys about uh, uh, a website that I found that I think is really, really cool. Um, and then we will give you an update on the layout. So uh, stick around and we will be back after this break. Join the model railroad revolution. Go on over to patreon.com forward slash model railroad talk and become a premium supporter. By becoming a premium supporter, you get added benefits such as an exclusive private Facebook group, live videos while we record, access to the latest episode before anyone else, and more. Your support helps us continue to grow and support the model railroad revolution. Go on over to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash model railroad talk to become a premium member today. And we're back. So uh, hopefully your head's not spinning uh, still from the break because that's a lot of information. Um, you know, we talked about the first part. We talked about uh, DCC, digital command control configuration variables, or otherwise mostly called CVs. And that's C as in uh, Charlie, V as in Victor. Um, we talked about uh, you know, two and four digit addressing. And then we talked about your, your, uh, throttle response curves basically. Um, and how, uh, Digitrax has a very valuable resource for free on their website. So just to reiterate that, go to digitrax.com. Uh, at the top, you'll see downloads, click on that. And you'll see manuals or something, instructions and manuals or something like that click on that and then go to search and type decoder manual and even though it's digitrax branded if you will um, go ahead and download that or print it off or both whatever i've got it both printed and downloaded on my phone on the computer just so i have it everywhere because um, i refer to it all the time when i'm um you know working with my locomotives and trying to get them programmed and whatnot um, very valuable resource for free. Uh, but we were talking about you get that locomotive, or I should say you get your second locomotive, you get it on there, and you want to try to speed match your locomotive so they run as close to the same speed as possible. Now, mind you, some of that has to do with how well that locomotive is maintained. If it's new, um, still go through we've done episodes on this uh you know setting standards for equipment before it hits your railroad um even a brand new locomotive i take the shell off or don't put it on yet i go through uh the motor and put my little dabs of grease in the gears and oil certain spots like where in a sense the bearings are coming off the motor for the flywheels and stuff like that so if you have a locomotive I will say that the motor doesn't run the best or, you know, there's putting DCC in, um, isn't going to fix that. Okay. If in some cases it can actually make the problem seem worse, um, because of the way it is, you can to some degree compensate for say a locomotive that doesn't have, say you buy two locomotives, Two different brands one doesn't have the best motor in it let's say it's an older motor so you bought it used and you got one that's brand new well obviously the new motors more than likely going to run a little better than the used motor so you, you the, these cvs that you put in you can adjust they can take up some of that difference between the the older and the newer locomotive or the 
better and the worst running locomotive or less good running locomotive, if you will. Um, but it's not an end all fix. So if when you're working with these and you start getting into doing the, the, uh, speed curves and stuff, make sure your locomotives are at what you feel that you're the optimal running performance. Um, like I just said, that goes down to, we've talked about this before, you know, main, locomotive maintenance and, 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 you know, setting standards for equipment hitting your railroad. Yes, it may seem medial to you. Um, and I understand when you're new in the hobby, you just want to get the trains on the track and see them running and that's fine. But as you develop in this hobby and you get more and more serious, you'll start to understand why having set standards before equipment hits your railroad or, or, you know, okay, new locomotive, new car, you want to put it on the railroad. That's fine. But before, before you start really running it, get your standards done on that car, locomotive, whatever. Um, because in the end it, it all makes for a more enjoyable hobby. So anyways, we're going to get back to, uh, what we were talking about before. So you, you have those two locomotives, one's either, we'll, we'll just say your lead locomotive seems like it's dragging a little bit. Your second locomotive is pushing. We were talking about that. So you can either do one of two things you can, or, or you can do a little of both. So your lead locomotive is, seems like it's just slightly at cruising speed. That is whatever that may be for you. Um, there's no set. You just have to figure that out. But at normal middle of the road cruising speed for you, your lead locomotive is getting pushed by the second locomotive. It seems okay. Or, uh, you're going to want to go in, change your V mid, your, uh, which is going to be CV 06. Um, let's say it's sitting at, and I'm just looking at this example on, on the Digitrax decoder manual. Let's say you have it set for mainline locomotive at 128. And like we said before, okay, that one's being pushed. So we're going to bump that up to 140. Okay, well, 140, maybe too much. Okay, one, you know, let's let's drop it to 136. Okay, let's just say we're going to drop that to 136. They're close, but you now um, you've tinkered with it, but it's like you can't find that happy medium. Okay, that you change that lead locomotive, and now let's say maybe it's pulling too much, or maybe it's still dragging behind. But if you go a little bit lower, it's uh, it goes too fast or whatever. Okay. So go into your second locomotive and adjust its V mid by just a few numbers, you know, so instead of 128, try 130 or 131 or vice or, or lower, you know, depending on what you need to do, whether you need to slow it down or speed it up. Um, it's not just, the problem isn't going to be fixed with just one locomotive when you're speed matching locomotives for uh, having consisted locomotives together like my c44-9 my bnsfs they're always while i'm still in the building process and still in the um well building phases of my railroad and designing as far as operation stuff i separate mine from being consisted uh just to try out different things but in my end game my end goal is that they will always be tied together when they're pulling that's just kind of the way i run my railroad or i want to run my railroad and so i once i get my loop of track done that's where i'm really going to step in and start fine tuning the locomotives their speed tables so you know it's not going to be just you know my one locomotive you know number 1000 or number 986 it's it's going to be both of them i'm going to have to work with just a little bit on on my mids or my starts or my you know maxes and it just takes a little bit and when it it may seem like a lot but when you break it down you're only talking about three adjustments start middle and max so when you're speed matching you know so there again um recommend digitracks.com download it. They're free. It's completely free decoder manual. And it will, and not only does it give you all these tables and these numbers and stuff, but it goes through and relatively, they've got a relatively good explanation for each, uh, set of stuff, you know, 
um, for, for like speed curves and what their recommendation and, and stuff like that. So, um, the other thing I was going to bring up, uh, is that I've also noticed people bringing up as far as their, uh, how their locomotives are running. Okay. So they, you know, I've seen people say, okay, um, well, I, you know, I got them matched or I got my speed or I got my locomotive set to where it runs like I want, but, um, I don't like how it just shuts off when I turn the throttle, you know, they, you know, you turn it to notch one and, and mine's like this too. I still have to do this. I've done it in the past with my old locomotive or my old railroad. Um, I've got like my, my yard switcher. It does this where I turn it just one notch and it just immediately goes not, not fast, but it, it, there's no like ramping up, you know, like real locomotives do, you know, I mean, real locomotives, it's not a direct drive, you know, like your car, you step on the gas, you go and depending on how hard you step on the gas, how fast you go locomotives. It, it is kind of like that. The higher they throttle, the, the faster they go, the quick, uh, the quicker they get to speed faster if they crank it up. But you have to realize a real locomotive, you've got your diesel, your prime mover motor. Okay. That is actually powering a generator that sends power to the electric drives on the wheels. Okay. That the drive wheels. So a lot of locomotives you'll hear if you, if you've never paid attention to this, but most of us have, you'll hear them, you'll hear the motor rev up, you'll hear it idle up, and then the locomotive will slowly start to take off. Well, that is, we can, we can simulate that. Um, it's, it's what it's, it, we can simulate it. I trust me, it works better if you have sound because you can hear, uh, and, and it's, it's way cool if you have sound i should say unfortunately i don't have other than my steam locomotive i only have um i don't have any sound yet on my locomotives coming soon uh but we can adjust the acceleration and deceleration rate of them too uh which are cvo3 and cvo4 um and we're not going to get into like settings and stuff on those because those you know i mean that's all personal preference but you can adjust so you throttle it up and say you want to throttle up real slow. And let's say you do have sound in your locomotive. You throttle it up to, I don't know, let's say 10. Oh, as an example, you'll hear, you can set it, your decoder with the acceleration rate to where you'll hear the sound. You'll hear like the motor sound rev up and then the locomotive will slowly start to take off. And then you can actually uh, adjust the deceleration rate as well. So when you say immediately shut the throttle down to zero, okay, from 10 to zero, just boom, you will, the locomotive will, depending on where you have it set, it'll cruise, it'll stay moving, slowing down, it'll slow down at whatever set speed you, or set rate you put into that, the deceleration rate, just like the real ones do. So like it, you can do a lot with it. Um, but that's another thing that, you know, if you have, say, two locomotives to look at where one, say one, when you throttle up, if you're speed matching, when you throttle it up, it takes off now. But the other one, um, you know, say there's a slight delay, you can change the acceleration rate of the one that takes off immediately to, you know, just give it just a little bit up the acceleration rate, just a little bit um, on that on CVO three and it will slow that down a little bit. So when you're taking off, um, or the same with slowing down, say you've got, you know, one locomotive that when you, when you shut it down, it shuts down nice and smooth, but you have the other one that maybe shuts down a little more rapidly. You can adjust the deceleration rate. So they kind of within reason match as close as you can get. So I know that that has been a lot of information. I know when I first got into DCC, um, uh, the club I was in years and years ago, um, guys were sitting there talking about, oh yeah, I'm doing this and I'm doing that and blah, blah, blah. And I'm doing, I'm, I changed this CV and ch this CV and yeah, there, it, it can be overwhelming, but I recommend if you're new, like I've said, if you're new to DCC, uh, any way, shape or form, whether new to the hobby, new to DCC or you've been in the hobby and you're converting over, or even if you've been doing 
ECC for a while, but you really haven't paid attention to any of this other stuff. You just basically programmed your, uh, your, your locomotive address and that's it. Um, you know, there's a, that's a start. That's generally where I start with my locomotives before I worry about doing any special effects with lights and, 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 uh, back EMF and stuff like that. Uh, because that's the other thing, back EMF, a lot of decoders will do that there. Uh, and you'll hear people talk about this, turn back EMF off or on or adjust it. And we're not going to dive into that this episode, but back EMF, just so you know, uh, if you don't know, uh, and you hear somebody talk or see somebody talk about it, it, for a lack of a better term, is basically cruise control for your locomotives. So you go in, adjust that, and you, you the CVs for back EMF. And if your locomotives hit an incline and the decoder senses it's starting to slow down, it will actually ramp up the power to maintain to try to maintain the same speed that you have your throttle set at so you don't see that slowing down and or if you're same likewise if you're going down a hill instead of it speeding up really fast um, because you've got a lot of weight pushing the locomotives it'll actually go in and 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 uh, adjust it down too so um, that's another one but i wouldn't worry about the back emf i just wanted to bring on that uh, touch on that um because i do see that in some of these groups i'm in as well so to reiterate, uh, if you're new and you're one or new to DCC in any way, shape or form, or you are wanting to go a little more beyond just changing the address and running trains, um, start with that, you know, you're changing your locomotive address to whatever you want to be, whether it's the locomotive number or however you want to do it, um, for whatever number. And then I would look at going into the speed tables of your start voltage, your start or your uh, mid voltage and your max voltage. Um, if you, if you want to start getting into, especially I like, I immediately go there to change my locomotives. I have a set set of numbers for those that I do. So my locomotives all within reason have the same baseline. And then from there I go and adjust um, those numbers to get them to, uh, either a for like a, sw a switcher, you know, I get them how I want my switchers ran. If it's a, if it's a mainline locomotive, like I've said, my C44 dash nines, I get those, uh, adjust those to get them to where they run relatively the same. And then I go into the acceleration deceleration rate to, um, fine tune, if you will. Um, I would start there with those. And then as time goes on, um, you know, if you have this decoder manual, just start reading it. Um, a lot of the cool stuff you can do, like, uh, my C44 dash nines, I put in ditch lights on them, even though I don't have sound, but if I hit my, my bell or I'm sorry, not my bell, but my, uh, horn button, I, I have them programmed to where they, uh, flash back and forth like the real railroads do. Um, there's just a lot of cool stuff you can do with CVs. Um, but yeah, go to Digitrack's website, download their decoder manual for free and explore the world of CVs configuration variables uh, variables because I'm telling you once you get into it it's the all the cool stuff you can do um, it, it 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 helps your hobby it can bring out more um, even, even if it's little things that maybe you only know um, others may not notice with it running your trains running around the track but you know what when it boils down to it this hobby we want to we want to satisfy ourselves, and then other people coming in and enjoying it and us gaining to see them enjoy what, you know, we are building is just icing on the cake. So, all right, enough blabbing about technical blah, 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 right? So, uh, I recently found uh, this website. I didn't, shouldn't say I found it. I seen it. Somebody posted it in one of the groups I'm in, um, it is model. Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I had to look at my notes. I wanted to get it right. Model brickyard dot com. And yes, I'm actually typing this in right now. Um, just so I can pull it up and talk to you. It is way cool. I think I'm not sure where they're based out of. I, they're, I think they're probably based out, like, like for us here in the U.S., I think they're based over 
um, over like in Europe somewhere. But it's really cool. So like I've talked about these modelbuildings.org and there's several others that do that where you can print out really cool, really detailed uh, buildings and, 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 and actually vehicles and stuff like that. And it, they're all paper and you glue them together. And I mean, they look pretty darn good, to be honest. Um, and this one, somebody had posted it in one of the groups. And of course, at first I was a little leery because let's face it, you got to be careful with, um, you know, what you click on nowadays, especially online. And, uh, so I, I seen a few people commented, you know, uh, that they liked it and they saved it, uh, you know, in their, uh, web browser or whatever bookmarked it. That's what I was looking for. Bookmarked it. And, uh, and so I'm like, all right, well, if other people have done that, I'll go check it out. Well, what it is, is it's model brickyard and is what it's called. Print your own brick paper. So I'm like, okay, what's the catch? All right. Cause you go to the homepage and you know, I mean, it, it looks pretty cool. You know, you see like in the middle, you know, you get started and then you can, you know, Dutch or English and so on and so forth. It kind of gives you a, um, overview. And so I'm like, all right, well, let's, 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 if this is a trap to get my info, let's, let's give it a try, you know? And so you click on it and talk about way cool. Um, uh, you can go through, they have all sorts of different, you know, old red, smooth red. I mean, they have like gray, um, different kinds of bricks. Okay. So you click, I'm going to pick on, click on the chalky gray. Okay. So then you go down the next section and you can select the pattern and they have, you know, like American bond and, and stretcher bond. And I mean, they got all these different like patterns for the brick. So, um, you know, you select which one you want, then you go down and you select the mortar color. I mean, they got, you can do a custom color. They got different colors, white ivory, or I should say ivory cream all the way to gray, beige, whatever. Okay. So I am, as I'm doing this, I did chalky gray for my, uh, brick. I did just the stretcher bond, which is your typical brick pattern. And then I did light gray for the, uh, mortar. Now you scroll down a little more, uh, model scale. Well, they have all sorts of scales, Z scale. They have N, they have actually three N's. They've got Europe, USA, Japan, UK. Uh, they got T, T, H, O, double O, um, which if you don't know what double O is, it's a uh, 176, uh, S scale. Uh, they have O scale, US and Europe. Uh, they have O UK and France. And then they have, um, uh, one thirty second, one twenty two and a half, and one basically one inch scale. So you select whatever scale you are, and then uh, then you have to select your brick size and mortar width. Well, they have well, Russia, Germany, Australia, India, UK, Japan, and USA. So I'm USA, so I'm gonna do that. And then you uh, you have an option of clicking uh, including upright bricks, which if you're gonna be say filling in windows and you want them filled in with brick, you can have that included. Otherwise you, uh, deselect it, select your paper size. You want it, uh, portrait or landscape and how many pages. Okay. So, um, and then you click preview brick pattern and what it does is it pops up and it actually shows you what the brick pattern is with what you selected. So I did the chalky gray with uh, light gray mortar. So it kind of shows you what it's going to print out. And then, Basically, you click generate file. It creates a file. You then you can download it, and once you download it, you can print it all you want. Um, really, really cool website. It's free. Um, there's no catch to it. Um, you can email them if you have questions about it. Um, yeah, I mean, something that I just recently discovered, uh, or I shouldn't say I discovered it, but I, I recently saw and I went and I wanted to share it with you uh, listeners. Um, cause that's what this podcast is about is to help all of us help each other and learn about new stuff. Um, so yeah, check it out. Modelbrickyard.com and very, very cool website. Um, you know, it may not be for you. You may not be doing any kind of brickwork. Um, it'd be good for background or, you know, if you're not into the 
printed thing, you know, like printed buildings or stuff, it, it may not be for you, but it's also, you know, if you have that little spot in your railroad where you want a certain kind of brick, but you can't find it or you can't seem to get the color you want by doing it yourself, this may be an option for you. So, uh, but yeah, check them out, modelbrickyard.com. So final thing I had on my list is update on the layout. Uh, like I said, last, I think it was last episode I talked about, I had, uh, I reached around behind the uh, monitors and went around the center of our basement where the uh, furnace and all that is located right in the center. Yeah, it sucks, but uh, cost too much to move that. So I'm forced to deal with it. Well, I literally yesterday uh, got the rest of the benchwork for the lower level here now, mind you, that spans across the other side where my gate is going to be. And in fact, when I get done recording this episode, I am actually going to go and buy my hinges for my gate. Uh, cause I'm doing a swing gate so I can actually get in cause it makes a loop in the bottom, but, and I kind of need that before I can start putting my plywood top on and yeah, so forth, so on and so forth. But, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about that. I'm planning on this week getting uh track and turn some, uh, turnouts ordered because once I get that in, I'll have my bottom loop done. Yes, it is going to be a continuous run on the bottom, but when operation when i have hold when i get to the point where i'm holding operations uh operating sessions um it's going to be a point to point um the locomotives will have to <clears throat> if they're coming from a, the up top they'll have to make a loop around the bottom just to be able to get into the lower yard the egermont yard so but it I've, I've got the ideas there i just got to actually get it all typed out and everything so and some cool things i'm adding to um just add to the fun of the operation. So um, I want to thank you for listening. Remember, uh, share this with your friends. I appreciate all the all that. We are on uh, Facebook. Look us up. Um, we actually created a new group there, uh, MRT uh, uh, Interchange, um, like we talked about several episodes ago, Interchange Beyond the Basement. So check that out. We do have our private group. So if you are, if you go over to patreon.com forward slash model railroad talk and you became, become a premium subscriber, uh, premium, sub, I should say supporter, you get access to our private Facebook group, which gives you live videos while we record not a hundred percent of the time, but about 85, 90% of the time we record live while we record these episodes. Um, you also get, uh, not instant access, but within an hour or so of us recording these episodes, they're put up on Patreon. So if you don't want to wait, um, we have a few extra added benefits like some, uh, Patreon, uh, uh, supporter only videos and so on and so forth. Um, we're always looking for new stuff. Uh, so check that out. Patreon.com forward slash model railroad talk, uh, for less than a cup of coffee a month you get all that uh then we are actually on youtube we are so close uh, i just hit actually this morning 47 subscribers we need 50 to be able to go live um and once we do that uh not only are we going to do special live events just for our patreon supporters but we will do some live for our general listeners our everyday listeners as well um same with our tiktok account uh, we are so close. We're about 40 or 50 people away from hitting that 1000 mark, which will give us live, uh, capabilities on TikTok as well. So we're excited about that. Um, we're excited that our bottom loops getting done to where we can start having trains running around. Um, the future looks great and episode 31 already. Um, remember you can reach out to us model railroad talk at gmail.com. Um, go to our website, www.modelrailroadtalk.com. Uh, we do have a link up there. You can, uh, if you like what you're listening to and you want to kind of help support us, you can order a t-shirt. Um, uh, we don't have them in stock right now. We are right now. It's kind of a, we're doing pre-orders. Uh, it's kind of like on an order as order basis. Um, I do have access to my, my t-shirt maker to where I can just say, Hey, I need the shirts within a week. I'll have them back or less and they'll be on their way to you. Um, or you can go to my MRT dot shop. So I want to thank you for listening. 
Um, thank you for supporting in any way, shape or form that you do. Um, without you guys support, I honestly don't think I'd be recording episode 31 right now. So I'm looking forward to new year. I'm coming up with trying to come up with some ideas, uh, change things up a little bit for the first of the year for second season of this. So, um, thank you for listening and, um, thank you for the new supporters. Thank you for the emails, uh, responses we've been getting. Um, we had a nice email or message on Facebook, uh, gentleman listens to our, um, listens to our, our, our podcast while he's working on his railroad says he's a former military uh, personnel. So thank you to him says it helps him relax and stuff. So, um, we love getting messages like that, emails and stuff. So, um, thank you very much for all your support. Um, and we'll keep this thing going, but until then I almost messed up here, folks. I almost messed up. I, it's almost, uh, there we go. Keep your train on the tracks.